0: Welcome to the Two-Year Bible, a custom-designed two-year Bible reading plan with a weekly podcast by myself, Chris Case, pastor of Resonate Church, and I'm here with Sarah of Pasquale, the executive director here at Resonate. Hey. And so uh, hopefully your reading this week has... Um, Uh, has been good. There's a whole lot of stuff that we are still in the midst of. Uh, When you are starting with a book like Genesis, uh, just about every story uh, seems like a pretty pivotal part of the storyline. And uh, and Luke certainly has uh, that same kind of thing. And we start this week with one of the most pivotal chapters in scripture uh, around uh, God's covenant with Abraham. So if you were reading through that, um, it's a story that um, if you've read through the Bible or if you've been around church for a while, it's it's a pretty pivotal part of the story enough where even Paul as, um, uh, as the, the church planner that he is writing the letter to the churches references quite a bit. Uh, and, um, you have the story where Abraham seems to want a promise from God. He seems to want clarity around, um, how is this actually going to happen for me? Um, and, and, um, God, God, gives him the promise. And and we hear in that text that it's credited to him as righteousness and, um, uh, it, that Abraham believes and it's credited to him as righteousness, which becomes a, a central kind of theme for Paul, um, to really talk about this story, uh, because this is before Abraham ever gets circumcision, which we don't get for another couple chapters, uh, which you, you, as you've read through, uh, and, um, before the law, before Israel was a people, um, it's, it's by faith for Abraham that that is righteousness can come by faith. And uh, for Paul to make the argument of, well, uh, we're not doing something new here. Like the covenant, the, the covenant that we have now in the new covenant is, is, is built upon the principles, the truths and, and the covenants of old, including the covenant with Abraham, which was a covenant by faith and not by works. And so um, this is such a, a beautiful kind of tie in to understand, like, look, The God of the Old Testament was not different than the God in the New Testament. And faith in the Old Testament was not different than faith in the New Testament. It's, It's more revealed and it's more clear in the New Testament. But it was still always salvation by faith, even in the Old.
1: Yeah, and it's just really merciful of God to continue to reiterate Abraham's promise, or Abram's at this point, his promises to Abram, because he says it over and over and over again. And sometimes Abram needs to hear it, and other times he maybe doesn't need to know as much of the story as he ends up finding out. But I just see the mercy of God and and the way he continues to say, I'm here, I'm with you, I've not forgotten you, I know you haven't seen the fulfillment yet, but I'll tell you again and I'll tell you in a different way.
0: Yeah, and if you've just reading through this past week, you've probably seen texts where it's like, okay, we get it again and we get it again. Um, But we also get this weird kind of trance moment scene uh, where – just before then God has uh, told Abraham to take all these animals, which he seems to clearly know what to do with. And he, he splits them and there's blood. Um, and all this really is is sort of an ancient way of signing a contract or signing a treaty. Um, you would, uh, you and the party that you were going into a contract with. And one is usually, um, the, the, the upper hand and the lower hand. So one is usually, um, what's called, uh, the suzerain, the other one's the vassal. Uh, and, uh, you would, uh, have this agreement and often, um, the, the symbols of the punishment of not keeping the contract, uh, whatever they may be, um, are, are, are the things that you would walk through. So it could be uh, other things. But in this story, it's 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 dead animals. It's dead things. And they would walk through. Uh, the blood would drain kind of into this little area. And they would walk through. And they would have blood on their outfits. And, um, and, and in so doing, saying, look, if I don't hold up my end of this agreement, whichever party, uh, then um, – then then i'm betting my life on it uh, you can kill me if i don't hold up the end of my agreement but the penalty of not holding the agreement is death
1: is yeah my own blood
0: yeah instead and so of- uh, yeah, not just animals, but, but the own person's blood. And so, um, but then Abraham seems stuck. Uh, we find out that there's, uh, vultures and, and, birds of prey that are circling, which obviously uh, is, is simply an indication that time has gone by. So we don't know whether Abraham is waiting to see if God like physically shows up or if Abraham clearly knows, I can't enter this contract. I don't know how I'm going to make my name, my name great. I don't know how this is going to happen. And I, I'm a dead man if I try to enter into this uh, agreement. And so we get this trance state, and eventually we see fire and smoke go through between the animals together, um, which if, particularly if you're an Israelite who has been led in the desert, who is hearing the story, you know, God's presence goes with you by a pillar of a fire and a, and a pillar or and and a, a cloud. cloud a day. And so, uh, it's absolutely a, constantly a symbol of God's presence. Same thing with the tabernacle too. Um, the symbol of God's presence as if God is making the contract with himself saying, Abraham, I know you're not going to hold up your end of the bargain. And so um, I am going to be the faithful one. And if I don't hold up the end of the bargain, may I bet my life on it? Or if you don't hold up the end of your bargain, Abraham, I will bet my own life on it. Um, So um, as if saying, look, like the the sinful brokenness in humanity, God himself will end up absorbing. And so it's such a beautiful Christ connection uh, to what's happening there. Uh, As if uh, on the cross, we finally see, Abraham's failure in this, uh, and ultimately humanity's failure, uh, to, to, to be what God has called us to be taken on and absorbed, uh, that penalty, that contract. And so, um, yeah, and we get a mention of the sin of the Amorites, which, uh, we'll cover a little more in Joshua. Uh, but once again, if you're a listener as uh, people that have just left Egypt, it's like, oh, like. You're giving God gives context for why this has been happening and what's coming next for them.
1: Yeah. And it's, I think it in some ways can help us to better understand or process the wrath of God, which is a hard concept for us. But we see God delaying judgment by 400 years here. And we see that again and again. We see it with the ark door open. We see plenty of opportunities for repentance.
0: Yeah. There's definitely some patience. Um,
1: So remember. This covenant with Abram, as you continue to read through the rest of the Bible, it's going to come up again. We'll see it in Galatians 3 and Romans 4 and Hebrews 11. But also we're going to see a reference back to numerous times throughout the Old Testament. Yeah. This, is, this is like we'll, we'll go through a lot of the different covenants like we already talked about. But this is a real big one.
0: Yeah, certainly. Uh, The covenant of of grace and not uh, covenant of works, which we'll get to when we get to the law. And then we get uh, Sorai and Hagar, uh, which um, you uh, end up, uh, I I would argue, Abraham finds out that's going to happen through his seed. And so... Um, he makes it happen. Uh, and, and for whatever reason, it's not working with Sarai. So he decides to conceive uh, and it causes all sorts of problems. Once again, this is something that uh, if you're reading your Bible and you think that God condones any of these things, almost every time where situations like this happens, it becomes a mess for the people in the storyline. So, um it's it's a terrible interpretation for things like uh, the Handmaid's uh, Handmaid's Tale or whatever the show is uh, uh, to 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 go oh that's how God's people desire to be it's like no like you read the stories and it's a total mess every single time this happens and this causes all sorts of problems Sarah is frustrated with Hagar and all it, it just causes a mess and um, yeah and
1: yet through Hagar is one of her most awful and vulnerable moments where she was not treated well she was taken advantage of. We see God meeting her, and everybody else has left her and forgotten her, and God comes and meets her, and she sees him and knows him as the God who sees. Then she names Ishmael, you're the God who hears. She knows that God has not left her, and so we see God in some ways fulfilling his promise to bless people, even if they don't intend that. She, even being part of Abraham's family, is receiving blessing from God.
0: Um, And then we get uh, circumcision, everyone's favorite topic in the Bible. Uh, And uh, Abraham gets renamed. He goes from Abram, the father of many, to Abraham, which is the father of many nations or or great people. Um, And and, uh, circumcision is a a peculiar practice. Uh, We're not certain whether it was first with Israel, but um, it it was definitely a sign uh, that was intentional. Uh, You have... um, a connection to the actual body part uh, of procreation. So, the promise that one's going to be born, the promise of many people, the promise of this great nation is tied into that body part, certainly. Uh, and then um, that, that that there's a trust in God and not the flesh, that that Abraham has to trust uh, in in God's promises and not on his own ability to solve the issue because he constantly seems to be struggling uh, by trying to come up with his own solutions. And so, um, yeah, but we can uh, move on to Isaac and this birth that's Promise where uh, no longer is Abraham going to try to rely on his own schemes. He, he there seems to be finally some true clarity in his mind because up to now he brought Lot along as if Lot might be uh, the the source of. How this great nation will come from him? Then he tries to impregnate Hagar, as if that's how it's going to happen. But now the promise is finally clear: that no, it's it's got to be supernaturally through Sarah and God's intervention and opening in the womb uh, that he will have to move forward, um, and and he gets that promise.
1: Yeah, I think it's we see shifts in Genesis when some of these name changes. So we'll talk about this more too with Jacob. But there's a name change, which is a speaking over and a promising of what is to be true. And in some ways, Abram owns it in a way that he hasn't before. Or maybe resigns himself to saying, hey, I've tried all these other things, and it turns out they don't work for me to fulfill God's purpose. So I'm just going to wait on God and receive this promise, whatever it looks like.
0: Yeah. And then we kind of depart from the the... Uh, having uh, having a kid story to, to get this little um, uh, moment where uh, Abraham and Sarah uh, interact with these three guys uh, from uh, from, uh, from, uh, from what you can read in the story, it definitely seems like Abraham doesn't quite know who they are. He they refer to Abraham refers to to the people there as Adon, uh, which is not Yahweh, even though every other reference to God in the story is Yahweh. But whenever Abraham refers to them, he doesn't use Yahweh, mm. uh, and so um, I would argue that. It, this is Abraham. This is Abraham's personality. This is what Abraham does. He he goes out of his way uh, to 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 show hospitality way above and beyond uh, expectation. Like twenty seven pounds, basically a flour makes, I don't know, somewhere close to twenty five loaves of bread. He has a calf. He brings milk curds. He does all of this. Um, but it also becomes very clear um, where the the promise is reiterated by these men that that uh, that Sarah um, connects the dots of going oh like this is going to happen naturally through the two of us. I mean, I have pleasure again. Like, um, that's certainly a reference to, to, to them having intercourse again. And so, um, there's, there's, Oh, it really will come from the two of us, uh, doing this. And so, yeah,
1: I think there's a theme of laughter here too. We see Abraham laughing. We see Sarah laughing. And then Isaac, of course we'll get to means he laughs. I
0: guess named it. Um, and then we have Abraham interceding for Sodom. You just have him going through these prayers. I'm always interested if, if he kept going and got down to maybe four or three, whether he would uh, pull that off. But um, I think God is extracting out of Abraham the, even a call to intercede for others, to, to pray, to talk, to ask, uh, to be bold, uh, to, to interact with him uh, and gives permission to that. God doesn't seem angry that Abraham is trying to intercede for these people. Yeah.
1: And and God knew what he was going to do. He knew how many righteous people were there, but what he was doing was he was inviting Abraham into the work that he was doing. Just like God invites us. We were talking about intercession, I think even yesterday and how the prayer for us is an invitation to be part of what God is already doing.
0: Then, uh, God does rescue a, a lot out of the city. Um, lot is at the city gates. Uh, it seems like the two other people that were, uh, with three men, uh, went forward, uh, to, 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 to Sodom. And, um, and, and God does end up kind of pull in a lot and some of his family out but um, there's clear sins of Sodom um, The the and the difficulty is scripture lists them in, in different ways in different places and says different things about them Ezekiel 16 49 um, this is the guilt of your sister Sodom like it literally names it she and her daughters had pride excess of food prosperous ease but did not aid the poor needy but then Jude 7 which where, like
1: wait let's just stop for a oh, second yeah. there and say huh that sounds familiar to a certain country and culture I know pride excess of food <laughs> (laughs) prosperous ease but we don't aid the poor and needy that should should bring a lot of caution and warning to us here in america
0: yeah and some people tend to highlight this other part uh, of uh, the sins of sodom where uh they indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire uh and uh, served as an example of undergoing a punishment of eternal fire and so that's from jude 7 and so um yeah, there's various sins of the city, and I think they're all put on display, even in that storyline of of we want to come and know these men who have come in. Um, there's a lack of hospitality, there's a lack of care, there's all that kind of stuff. These are uh, visitors, like this is not what you do to a visitor that comes to your city. And so um, you care. You you provide uh, 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 care for them. And so, yeah, it's just a struggle.
1: I think as we read through Genesis, we're going to continue to find that you just can't like wrap up a nice pretty bow on top of a lot of these stories. It's, it's okay if you read this story and feel upset reading it. I do too. And if you don't, like I, I wonder if you're really – reading the scripture to learn and understand it. That's when we have to stop and step back and say, okay, God, where are you in this story? What are you doing? And why are you at work in this way? And again, we've talked about God's patience. We've talked about how God is a God of wrath, and that is also for His glory. He's also a God of mercy. If you look at verse 16, we see how He has mercy on the people who He seizes and drags out out of the house. So,
0: yeah, I, I'm. And I'm always curious on those stories, uh, and we'll get to this with Joshua and um, how some of these sort of moments are told. Um, but God has heard the cry of the city, so there's obviously somebody and some injustice that's happening in the city that's being cried out for 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 justice to happen. Like there, there's something that God has heard from the city that He's responding to, and so those that were crying out is that just Lot and his family? Are there others? And this is basically the destruction of a empire that's doing terrible things but yet those that were oppressed by it or or whatever had gotten out who knows um but uh, we at least know in the storyline lot and his family get out or at least most of them <laughs> his wife doesn't quite make it out of there yeah uh, which uh, uh uh one of the gospel writers um picks up on as like hey um, don't look back there's there's a future uh, there's um a kingdom coming uh, luke uses that there's a kingdom coming uh and and uses that um Jesus is teaching on that to say, like, look, we look forward. Don't don't look back. And so, um, yeah, don't look. Yeah, back. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and I mean, she's she had the intention, said she was going to do it, but she didn't have the action behind it, and there were consequences for that. So again, as followers of Christ and disciples, now we need to say we need to do what we say we're going to do. There is a fruit of our faith. Right. It's not why we're saved, but there's a fruit of our faith. Yep.
0: Uh, and then Lot, there's this pretty terrible story where a lot sister or lot's daughters get him drunk and they sleep with him. And, um, and it's interesting, the since, the Ammonites. Yeah, which lot just tried to give his daughters away to these visitors. And now, um, now he's having uh, children with them. And so, uh, yeah. And, and I would argue that once again, this is certainly not teaching of here's now how to live your life. Uh, it is definitely, um, Likely for this crowd. Not definitely. Likely for the crowd that's hearing this, like, here's where the Moabites came from and here's where this group came from. Like, they are distant relatives. We, we want you to know that. Uh, so, um.
1: And there's some interesting parallels to Noah and the Ark, too. You know, like Noah is saved, he and his family, and then they get off the Ark and he falls into the sin again. And oh, so yeah. we see the same thing happening with Lot after the Judgment. And again, it's just an indicator, gosh, we really need, we really need to be saved by grace alone. Because no matter what circumstances you see, no matter how you see God act, whether it's through like the miracle of healing or it's through the miracle of his wrath, you're still going to fall into sin without his grace. Yeah,
0: And it's stories like this that make me, to, to me, make the Bible that much more believable. Because hmm. if you were telling your history, of like here we are as a people. Why would you include <laughs> this these is crazy our moment of shining glory? Yeah, where every like your heroes are obviously jacked up, and so um, hey, we we are formed because of incest, and that's great. And so um, yeah, it just
1: which is kind of interesting. I mean, I guess it depends on how we would define incest because right. Abraham and Sarah I were half brother yeah, yeah. and sister, but even seeing Ruth coming out of the Moabite line and knowing that that it was those histories and those beginnings that produced yeah. the line of Jesus.
0: And then we have Abraham had this contract with a um, that you would have read through, which, um, he sort of ends up with this well and, uh, maybe this land or this place to stay. Um, and I'm, I'm always curious uh, as I read that story, uh, if you noticed as soon as Biblack finds out that, um, uh, that Abraham's not really the brother, but but the husband of Sarah, he's like, okay, I'm going to give you all this stuff. And he, and he gives that, I'm going to give it back to your brother. And I wonder if it is a bit of an eye roll or he's using air quotes, the sort of like, he knows it's not a brother anymore and he still refers to it that way. And it just feels like a shot uh, at these two for lying to him. Um, but Sarah, you found uh, yeah, a chiasm, which is I always did. fun to find.
1: I found a Genesis Abraham chiasm. So starting in Genesis 12, We see Abraham kind of beginning and ending this chiasm with lying about Sarah and her role. We move into Lot playing part of the story and needing deliverance to be rescued. Then we move into God promising descendants to Abraham and offering his covenant in Genesis 15 and the covenant of circumcision. Circumcision and the promise in 17 and 18. And then, anyway, in the middle of it, in verse 17, we see Isaac's birth promised. So, which is great. Those yeah. are just really fun. So, again, as you read and you're like, I read this story before, just take a minute to look back and see if you can find some connection there or chiasm there. Yep.
0: Well, let's jump to the New Testament, uh, back into Luke 4, which is where we were before. Um, Jesus is in Capernaum. Uh, in the previous story, we just watched um, Jesus uh, go to, um, to, kind of uh the the synagogue and teach and say this is this is my mission this is what i'm doing and they kind of rejected him and so we pick up this week uh with a story where uh it seems like the person who does know who jesus is is a demon Mm, yeah (laughs) and and that's a common theme across all the gospel writers the demons seem to have a pretty clear knowledge of exactly who this jesus is doesn't mean they believe in him um but uh but they clearly can identify him more than other people um
1: yeah, and, and this is the first miracle that we see in the book of Luke. Now, Luke isn't necessarily written chronologically.
0: Well, besides, like. Mary getting pregnant. Well, yeah, you're right. Okay, I forgot
1: about that (laughs) miracle.
0: First miracle performed by Jesus here, I guess. Uh, Yes.
1: Thank you for the (laughs) the love occasion. So that's interesting with noting, but but I think the order that this plays Mm -hmm. in, you know, Jesus had just been in Nazareth, read about his job to bind up, uh, to heal the oppressed, to deliver the broken. Nazareth is like, please don't hang out here. We don't really want you here. And then he goes somewhere else and does it immediately. He's like, I'm already fulfilling this Isaiah passage right now.
0: And, and and we see in Luke's gospel multiple times where that's just driven home he's he's healing a lot in Luke's gospel as you guys have read through it. it's like oh there, here's a short little story where he healed more people here's another short little story where he healed more people and then he goes off and prays which Luke uh, also highlights multiple times and so we get that we get Jesus healing people in the next story he preaches in a synagogue so um, as much as he's healing people he definitely seems like his main goal is still to go like I have to go and preach like I know there's people I need to heal but I have to go and preached to these other cities.
1: Well, and the healing would be him displaying that what he is preaching is true. Right. It's the evidence of the fact that he's Messiah. So, yeah, the main yeah. goal is is the gospel and the preaching. Yeah,
0: let me tell you about my kingdom. And guess what? In my kingdom, people do get healed. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah. Uh, and then he starts calling his disciples. Uh, and, yeah. um, and so
1: I think it's really fun to kind of look at Peter's story here. So, Peter spent some time, the person, the mother in law who was healed was Peter's mother in law. I don't know if it says this in Luke or somewhere else, one of the other Gospels. Yeah. So he's already hung out with him for 12 house. hours. He maybe heard him in the synagogue. And then he, some reason, chooses Peter and is like, take me out on your boat. Let me also show you how to fish. Yeah.
0: Peter, who is a qualified fisherman, is now listening to a carpenter, a tecton uh, worker who's a rabbi tell him, here's how you fish. Yeah, uh, but this is such <laughs> a significant.
1: Peter pulling in fish in one of the f- – in the first time we see Peter in this is – is going to be a reflection to what the end of his interaction with Jesus looks like in John. So keep that in mind. Keep Peter and being a fisherman and that role of pulling in fish in mind as we continue to read through the New Testament.
0: And and Jesus being a good traditional rabbi uses very tangible worldly things, moments, situations to, to teach a huge, large truth. Like, hey, you caught a big net of fish. Let me tell you about how that's going to play into your going into the world and making disciples and then Jesus cleanses a leper. Uh, which it's good to know leprosy has its um, historical place even in scripture the Levitical law when you get there um, has multiple chapters that talk about what to do when you're unclean um, because of leprosy uh, and I just want to clarify unclean is not the same thing as sin uh, when, when we read that in the Old Testament um, they're not they're not equivalents it's as if um, so one of the things that makes you unclean is to have a menstrual cycle it's like it's not a woman sinning once a month it is simply unclean it's, it's as if there's an inconvenience uh, for people uh, and for us, but it's something tied into worship. It's something tied into um, um, God saying, look, I, I am holy and I am pure and I am all these things. So therefore, all these things that happen to you, you, you do need to, to, to have a process for and you do need to clean yourselves. And there's ritual tied into that. But it's, it's going to be really fun as sin.
1: It's gonna be fun to look at that when we go through Leviticus and how it's more than just a rule or a law, but how those things all point to Jesus Christ. Yeah,
0: absolutely, The um, gospel. But uh, you have this leper who would have been absolutely unclean at the time, and he comes to Jesus trying to get healed, and um, and Jesus does it. Jesus is able to heal him and sends him back uh, to the priest. But um, and then we get this statement about prayer, which. Um, Jesus does this often. He withdraws uh, to desolate places or at a major turning point in storyline, he will pray as well. Like when he uh, truly commissions the 12 or or sets the 12, he prays uh, for that.
1: Yeah. I I read recently in a book and it talked about how Jesus always knew what he was supposed to do. He wasn't overcommitted because he was spending time in prayer. So the Lord was revealing to him what he needed to do and how he needed to obey. And it was because of that abiding relationship with Christ that he was able to do what God set out for him to do.
0: Yeah. And, and we okay. even find early church pick up on that too. So um, we'll, we'll find them pray before commissioning people and stuff like that. Like there's, there's these moments that um, are just big turning points, but even though they know where they're going or know what they might be doing, uh, they stop and they, and they abide and they trust and pray.
1: Yeah. I think there's something about them being desolate places or empty places or deserted places. And some of that was because people just were following him. He couldn't get away, <laughs> yeah. but some of it was to be still and quiet enough that he he could hear and discern the voice of God.
0: Yeah. And maybe your desolate place is not a physical place. Maybe your desolate place might be turning your phone off and closing your laptop and all the things that, that were distractions for Jesus was the crowd, but for distractions for us is a much different definition. Yeah. And so
1: we driving uh, in silence.
0: Yeah. Uh, And so, uh, Jesus heals this paralytic. Um, I want to pause a little bit on that story uh, because um, we we get this use of Son of Man and we start looking at some of how the other gospel writers tell the story. Uh, It's a really interesting story because um, – eventually you'll read the book of Daniel and in Daniel there's this whole prophecy about the son of man who's going to come and stuff like that but if you if you read Hebrew it typically reads a uh, son of adam it's that that's literally how the hebrew reads and so at this point in time there're a whole lot of people kind of guessing who is the son of man and what's going to happen and uh, the, the 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 one of the prevailing thoughts is that the son of man was abel it was uh son of adam that that um had an injustice happen to him and he will return for justice and vengeance and to set things right and uh for jesus to come in and be like um no no the 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 son of man is coming for forgiveness it's coming to to do something that that is not what you guys expect he has the power to forgive which um the, the question which one is harder to, to forgive sins or to to he, to tell someone to get up and walk Jesus to prove which one was harder then goes okay get up and walk and and I, I would argue the way that story is crafted is not about Jesus teaching necessarily I mean I think it's implied particularly in the whole scope of the Bible, but in that moment, I don't think it's about Jesus teaching about his specific forgiveness of other people's sins uh, in terms of their standing before God. Uh, I think it's a teaching towards these people who have struggled with um, how can we interact with broken people and sinners and all this kind of thing of going, no, 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 like what I'm bringing and what I'm calling you to do is to forgive others to, 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 to enter into that mess. Because I, I would even argue the next few stories start uh, playing into that. Uh, I just think it's less about Jesus's teaching about his own, um, kind of major forgiveness of sins in terms of the cross and, and, and righteousness, uh, and more about that. Now I know those two are completely interlinked the same way that Jesus will tell parables about, uh, a king who forgives somebody is dead and then they have to go out and do the same. But, um, but we've, we find an introduction of the next character, who is Levi, who is um, a, a, a tax collector, who is someone Before who, you
1: jump into oh, yeah, Levi, yeah, I just want to quickly mention those last couple verses, 25 and 26, and all of the really descriptive language we get about the people's response. They glorified God. Amazement sees them. They glorified God. They were filled with awe, saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. So no matter what, people are—what Jesus is doing is remarkable.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no matter what, he's still her- paralytic. He still has this tremendous power. Yeah. But, um, but then we get uh, the call of someone who, uh, let's just say, most people uh, would not be interested in forgiving, uh, which is which is Matthew, which is Levi, um, who um, basically sold out his own people to collect taxes for Rome, um, and and he calls him. And and what's great is that Levi then sort of is like, all right, well. Um, uh, uh, I mean, he, he, all that Levi knows is other broken, sinful people and uh, invites them into the mission as well. This is what Jesus has come to do. And Jesus says that this is what I've come to do, um, to bring sinners to repentance. I'm not here for the people that think they're great and are trying to, to, to get um, to live this sort of perfect holy life. Like I, I'm here for people that understand sin, brokenness all those sort of things.
1: Yeah. We'll continue to see how Jesus doesn't prioritize certain people over others, but he's his heart and availability for the people on the margins or the people who are hated or despised. Yeah, uh, is is probably stronger than for the people who are not. Yeah. but don't you kind of wonder what Peter was doing? Like, if Peter's <laughs> like, I'm Jesus is my rabbi, and then Jesus is like, Levi, I come along, and Peter's like, Sorry, you're bringing who to join yeah, us?
0: Yeah, we'll see. we'll definitely get there. Uh I think next week when we list uh, the twelve disciples, where it's like, All right, let's look at who <laughs> each of these how people well are. They get along. Um, yeah, uh, but um, yeah, it, it, and and so this is who they're for. And even in a couple weeks, like we're gonna see Jesus heal a synagogue leader's daughter. And this woman who's been bleeding for years and years. Like, we'll see even a story where they're sort of sandwiched of like, look, Jesus does care about all. This is not just about the people on the margins, though, those are the people that people wrote off. Jesus is certainly here for all. So we we have Jesus
1: heal a paralytic, he calls a tax collector, and then the Pharisees come.
0: (laughs) And and they've got a strong opinions about about things. Yeah. And so, um, uh, there were all sorts of laws about fasting because you, you read in, in the, the Torah that, hey, you're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. Okay, what does it mean to work? Th- does that mean like I can't go to my job? Does that mean I can't work on my yard? Does that mean I can't uh, uh, make food in my kitchen? Like what is work? And so they created all these laws to, to define basically all the laws that exist in the, in, the, in the Torah. Uh, so it became a huge uh, wealth of teaching. And uh, there was these crowds who who think, all right, if you're picking grain in in the field, that's a violation of the question of work, um, and uh, and so we we get this um, this conversation. Did I jump ahead? Did I jump from fasting right to the you Sabbath sure story? Um, my bad. Um, can go
1: backwards.
0: Let's, I can go backwards. Let's jump to fasting, then we'll jump to Sabbath, and I'll pick up where I just left off. Um, Jesus is is uh, really heavy in this little storyline I would argue uh, on the, on the book of Jeremiah uh, there's there's like Jeremiah 13 includes conversations about winescreen and fabrics uh, and, and not long and there's multiple points of Jeremiah is talking about the bride and the bridegroom. And so there's all this text and so um, it, it, I, I would argue Jesus is saying, look, I am here for a new teaching. And my new teaching, and according to Jeremiah, the, the bride and bridegroom stuff is all about God's judgment, that uh, the bride and the bridegroom will be separated when God truly comes to judge. And, and Jesus is saying, look, that time's not here yet. Like I'm not coming to bring this major moment of judgment and destruction and to set all things uh, as they should be yet. What I'm coming right now Is a new covenant that's based upon forgiveness and grace and all this. And that's a thing to be celebrated. That's a thing to to find joy in. That's a thing not to fast around. Um, There's other reasons to fast, but it's not that. And Sarah, I don't know if you want to. So,
1: yeah, I think we fast to say we're acknowledging with our physical bodies that what we fully desire is not yet here. It's the already and the not yet. And so when we fast, We're making a declaration that we are dependent on God to sustain us, first of all, and second of all, saying, I'm hungry for food. Like, I'm hungry for Jesus' kingdom to come and for things to be all made right. So when they're with Jesus, it's like, we're with the guy who's going to do this. We don't need to fast. I don't need to make some sort of declaration of my desire to be with Jesus. But now, as disciples of Christ now, we still fast to say the same thing. I'm hungry for you, Lord. I'm not satisfied until all is made right.
0: Yeah. No, oh, that's really good. Um, so Sabbath, yeah, I'll jump back to Sabbath. So there was all this teaching, and obviously the rabbis are coming, saying, "Hey, you can't do that. You're not supposed to do that." And Jesus, being brilliant, um, pulls back the story from First Samuel 21, um, where David um, and his men go into this temple. They're starving, uh, and and in 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 the uh, well the tabernacle when they get in there, um, there's there's bread. And the bread is specific and there were all sorts of rules on who can eat the bread. Uh, it had to sit there. The priests are the ones who could eat it at the end of the, t- the amount of time that had to sit there. Um, and it was not meant for anybody else. And so this priest now has to make a call on which part of the law do I obey? Do I obey the rules about this bread and and not allowing anybody else to eat it? Or do I obey the law that I should care for those who are hungry, uh, to care for those um, who, who have come in need? And – he makes that choice, and instead of doing what the law said around the bread, did what the law said around uh, the love of neighbor and others. And so, uh, I think Jesus is picking up on that, and not only that, but one-upping them. So they're complaining about people picking bread or picking grains from a field, and he's like, "Well, uh, let's not forget how intensely violated of a very clear law there was back then." Uh, and 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 so it's the question of all right when 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 there's a dilemma of what what am i called to do what do you default to and and i think jesus being the lord of the sabbath is is simply going that route i don't think G- jesus is violating sabbath laws he's simply going look the, the Sabbath was created for man and not man for the Sabbath. And it's it's a good thing. We're supposed to enjoy these things. We're supposed to have um, understand that the world is, is good and that it's heading back uh, or towards good again. And so it's it's for that and for the love of neighbor and all this kind of stuff. And if if you are creating laws in addition to laws that don't match that, then you've totally missed the point.
1: And, and I think he's going back a little bit here to, to make us think of the garden. When he says the son of man, we we think of Adam and how God created the The garden but but adam was the guardian of that he was the one who was to oversee it and rule over those things just like jesus saying here i'm the son of man i'm lord of the sabbath meaning like i'm the guardian of this i have i have an authority over it in order to cultivate it in a way that is going to bring more glory to god yep not to follow a rule or to come underneath those rules yep
0: uh, and so we get to our well and we get a man with a withered hand which once again is a is a tie into this whole sabbath conversation. Uh but then we get uh, Psalms of Proverbs, uh Proverbs 15, Psalm 100. Um in Proverbs 15, I mean uh we, we talked about a genre and how to deal with proverbs and there's all sorts of verses in proverbs at least even in chapter 15 that are very much pro was it principle principles of instead proverbs. of promises. Yes. Um, So there
1: are things to live by, but it doesn't mean if you do that exactly that it will always come true for you.
0: But then we get great verses like the the Lord is far from the wicked and he hears the prayer of the righteous, which to me, it's like we, we just read the story of Abraham haggling with God and and, and basically that's prayer. And I mean, that's, that's him asking God, can you do this? He's interceding for his city and God hears him. God doesn't condemn him for having this conversation with him as if like, how dare you, Abraham, ask for these things. No, he engages with it. Even though God's going to do what God's going to do, he hears it and he engages it. He wants us to come to him. He wants us to, to intercede and he will hear the prayers of the righteous, which in Christ it's, it's yeah,
1: the, the reason we're righteous is because we're covered with the righteousness of Christ. So if you are a Christian, you get to go before God as righteous because yep. we're not wearing our own works, but but yeah. the works of Christ with, that has made us righteous.
0: boldness and confidence.
1: Yeah. Yep. So Psalm 100, I really like the superscript in this. I don't see very many psalms <laughs> that say a psalm for giving thanks. So now we know what it's for. And when <laughs> thanks, we look at what clarity. giving thanks looks like, yeah, I know, in case you weren't sure why the <laughs> psalms exist. Yeah. Um, we see immediately all the earth is, is to praise God that includes the Gentiles. So the Psalms and the worship that happens in the temple or in the tabernacle are meant to invite all people into worship of God. And then verse three to know our worship is going to be more complete or more full adequate when we know who the God we are worshiping is.
0: Yeah. And so next week, um, as you read, uh, like even the the stories of Ishmael being sent away and Isaac being sacrificed, look at some of the parallels. There's some interesting parallels between those two stories. Um, and then as you read about the 12 apostles, like look, try to look up a little bit about them and where they are, what they're, what what sort of their background is. Um, I, I think it'll be interesting when we get into the stories to be like, okay, let's talk about this crowd that's following Jesus, at least these 12 that are identified, because they come from some wildly different backgrounds.
1: Yeah, and I would say in the Old Testament, keep looking for God's presence. Promises to bless and to multiply. How many times does he restate it? Who was he saying it to? Those things and in the New Testament. Just, just make sure you're really considering how we interpret Jesus's commands versus proverbs. They're different genres. We're going to interpret them and understand them in different ways. And how often are we deciding to take what Jesus says as a principle rather than a promise? When not I, we interpret everything differently. But how often are we deciding that Jesus's commands to us are optional?
0: Yep. Well, thanks, y'all. And we look forward to next week.
1: Bye.